Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Good morning and welcome to everyone online as well. It's good to see everybody here today. And uh, don't forget to use that chat feature if you're watching online. Uh, we're going to have a couple of uh, uh, times for you to comment as we go through. want to thank Gail uh, for her beautiful song, and Dawn and Jeannie. Uh, it's not like you three had anything else to do this weekend, so I uh, really appreciate you all. Isn't it good to get a little bit of hope uh, as we go through uh, uh, the time? Because we haven't had a lot of that. I was looking at my Facebook page today, and uh, the, two years ago today was the Mark Lowry concert at church, and we literally had chairs all the way up here in the front, and people everywhere as far as you can see. Now, today, like, they would send in the National Guard to arrest us uh, if we tried to do something like that, uh, but it just shows you how much things have changed and how much we need to get that positivity back. Somebody told me a few minutes ago that they just missed the greeting and being able to say hi to people. So let's do the greeting. Don't leave your seat, but you can stand up and point at people if you want. So, so you get up and, and give them the holy wave or something like that and, and turn around and you let people know. Uh, people behind you too now. That don't, know, don't ignore them. So, uh, you know. All right, so that's good. So now you feel like you're a little more connected there. Uh, or something. Well, we're starting a new sermon series called The Fruit of the Spirit. Now, originally when I did my sermon plan, we were going to be looking at the book of Joel, and the book of Joel was about the day of the Lord and judgment, and I thought, you know, I think we probably don't need something quite that heavy uh, right now. You know, we've done enough of that uh, over the last uh, six, seven months or so. Maybe, maybe we need something a little more positive. So we're going to be looking at the fruit of the Spirit over in Galatians chapter 5. If you want to turn over that, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, we've been in this coronavirus pandemic for about seven months now. And uh, during that time, the only way that you could get immunity the, to the coronavirus is to catch the coronavirus, get well, and have the antibodies. That's about the only way uh, that, that you could get any kind of immunity to it. And we're waiting for a vaccine to come. We don't know what the vaccine will mean. Will it be like the flu vaccine? And, and uh, you know, it's not total. You just, it may help. It may not help. It may make it less. We're not sure what that means. Uh, but something that they're working on now, uh, kind of interesting, and I got a little slide of it here, is they're working on actually taking the antibodies of someone who has had coronavirus and using it as a drug uh, to put into the body of people when they get sick to give them the antibodies. Now, uh, there's a couple of different companies, uh, Eli Lilly, some others are working on that. They've had starts and stops as they go through it. But kind of interesting that if you can't develop the antibodies on your own, that you literally get somebody else's antibodies. And that's the way that you can find the cure is through someone else's antibodies that have been made well. Now, I tell you that this morning because when we look into our scripture, what we're going to see is that's exactly what has happened to Christians. That we have had a disease that we cannot cure ourselves of, the disease of sin. And the only way that we can cure ourselves from the disease of sin is to get the antibodies from someone else. And the one we're getting the antibody from is Jesus. 
Jesus died on the cross, took our sins upon him, forgave us of our sins, and now he has given us his Holy Spirit. And that Spirit of God is the antibody against sin in our life. But what exactly does that mean? And that's what we're going to talk about for the next four weeks. And so uh, three of those weeks, we're going to actually be looking at the nine fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to be looking at three each week so we don't overwhelm you with a lot of fruit right there, you know. Uh, because a lot of you haven't been eating much fruit. So, uh, you know, we're going to just do three a week uh, as we get in there. Uh, and we're going to talk about that fruit of the Spirit and what does God's DNA look like inside of us. So take your Bibles. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to start with verse 13. But before we get to the fruit of the Spirit, first of all, Paul talks about the works of the flesh. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today because he compares and contrasts the two things. And the first thing we see is this. Our freedom in Christ can be used for good or for bad. Our freedom in Christ can be used for good or bad. Look down at verses 13 through 15. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out that you don't destroy one another. So as I look at this, the first thing that occurs to me is that word free and freedom. Uh, the very first verse, verse 13, you were called to be free, don't use your freedom in the wrong ways. So the question that comes to my mind anyway is then what's it mean to be free in Christ? Now we all know basically what free and freedom means, uh, but what's it mean to be free in Christ? That's the important question. Well, if, you, if you're being freed from something, it means something is holding you down or something is imprisoning you. So what is it that is imprisoning us? What's holding us down? What's keeping us from being what we should be? Uh, because freedom is being freed. It's being released from something that is holding us down. Got a picture here uh, of some birds leaving a cage. The cage is what was restricting them. The cage was what was holding them. But when the cage door was open, they were free to leave the cage. They've gained their freedom. So what is it that is holding us down and keeping us from being free in Christ? And the answer is obvious. It's our sin. Our sin is keeping us from being free in Christ. Our sin is constantly at war with us. Our sin is constantly putting us down. Our sin is, le is leading to a miserable life here on earth, and it's leading to our ultimate judgment uh, from God. And so our sin is something that is caging us, holding us down, imprisoning us. But we're told that we have been set free from our sins. And what set us free was Jesus. Jesus, again, dying on the cross, taking our sins upon him. So our freedom doesn't come from what we're doing. Our freedom comes from what Jesus did, dying on the cross for us, setting us free from sin, death, and judgment. We have been freed from that. So he goes on then in verse 13, and he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So he says, okay, now you've been freed from the law of sin and death. You've been freed from the fact that sin no longer has control over you. Sin no longer is going to be judged by God in you. You've been forgiven of that. Then what, how do you live? If I'm now free and, and, and no longer have to worry about God's judgment, then can I do anything I want? 
Can I live any way I want? Can I, can I uh, be involved in any behavior that I want? Because I'm free of my sin. I've been forgiven. There's no judgment. So now I can go out and do anything I want, right? Uh, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? You know, that, that's what it is. You know, uh, when I was growing up, that's what people used to say anyway. You know, and, uh, and so, you know, talking about that. So, so is that what it means? No, it doesn't mean that at all. He says, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but serve one another humbly in love. So his point is this. Okay, what are you going to do with your freedom? You're no longer under God's judgment for your sin. Does that mean you go out and sin more? No, that would be ridiculous. What you do now is you change your whole attitude, and instead of fighting your sin, you're now worried about loving and caring for other people. Let me give you an example. You wake up in the morning. When you wake up in the morning, what are you thinking? Lord, help me not mess up today. Help me not be a bad person. Help me not do all these things that the Bible says I shouldn't do. And I'm going to walk around all day afraid I'm going to mess up. And uh, I'm going to be tempted by all these things. And help me stay away from them. Now, that's one way you can live your life. Another way you can live your life is to say, I've been set free from all of that. I've been set free from sin and its judgment. And now I can get up and instead of saying, Lord, help me be a good little boy today, now I can get up and I can say, Lord, help me do something good today. Help me love somebody today. Help me care for somebody. Help me make a positive influence upon somebody's life. And so he says, instead of indulging the flesh, instead of fighting that battle every day with your sin, you now begin to say, no, I've got a new attitude, and my attitude is to love one another humbly. He goes on in verse 14, he says, For after all, the entire law is fulfilled in one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And so what he says, what he means by that is, look, everything in the Bible is summed up in loving God and loving your neighbor. If you do those things, you've fulfilled everything in the Bible. So you can get up and fight your sin and try to be a good person, or you can get up and say, no, today I'm going to do something positive and help other people. And when you do that, he said, you fulfilled everything in the law. When you start trying to care for somebody, help somebody, love somebody, uh, be patient with somebody, forgive somebody, he said, then you've, you've fulfilled everything in the entire Bible. But again, it all comes down to our attitude and the freedom we've received in Christ. And then he compares and contrasts that in verse 15. He says, if you bite and devour one another, watch out because you're going to destroy one another. If your whole thing is about fighting the flesh and, and, and being involved in the flesh, you're just going to end up being selfish and greedy, and you're going to destroy one another. So he said, that's your attitude. You can use your freedom for good and to help others, or you can use your freedom for selfishness and to do what you want. One is going to be positive. One is going to be negative. And they're easy to see. I was reading an article this week uh, about a lady who had gone to Ibiza uh, to spend the winter, and then the pandemic hit, and all she wanted to do was get back to see her family in London, England. But the London airport was closed. They weren't flying people in from Ibiza. And then finally, uh, last week, they opened it up, and she was able to fly back home. Now, they've closed it again, but luckily she was able to get on the airplane. But when she was in the line, she got up, they took her bags, and they say, your bags weigh too much, you owe us another $75. And she started, she said, I, I don't have $75. She said, look, this is everything I've got. I was going to spend the whole winter here, and, and, and I bought all these Christmas presents for my grandchildren, and I just want to get back to see them. And they say, look, your bag is too heavy, $75. And then this is what happened in the line. Everybody in the line started doing this. 
Get out of the line. What are you doing? Why are you holding us up? If the lady doesn't have the money, just get her out of the line. Now, do you think they're using their freedom to indulge the flesh or to do good to another person? What do you think? To indulge the flesh. And then one young man walked up and did this. Got a picture of him right here. That young man walks up, takes out a credit card, and said, I'll pay her bag fee. Now, which was he doing? He was following the Spirit. So, one was doing the will of God. Okay, I'm going to come up here. I'm going to humbly love another person, and that makes all the difference in the world. It's easy to see the difference between the two. Then I read a story about a, a church group that went to Nigeria to an orphanage, and some of these poor children have been raised in the worst situations. Got a picture of one of those poor little girls right here. Is one of the per people from the church is talking to her. You see her face. She's not happy at all. Uh, you know, she's, she's very sad looking. And then he takes out a doll from his backpack. He gives it to her, and it's the first toy this girl has ever received in her entire life. And look at her face right there when she gets it. Okay, it's easy to see. All right, that's humbly acting in love for another person. And then I saw another story this week in the paper that's right here. Uh, almost unbelievable. Remember in Georgia last month when all of those children were freed from the sex trade ring? Those are all over the country. This past week in Ohio, 45 children were released from sex trade where they had been kidnapped and a hundred additional survivors that had been kidnapped as children and were still being used now as adults. And you look at that and you say, okay, there's, there's, no, there's no comparison between the humble act of love and the selfish act of the flesh. They don't compare at all. And that brings us to the next thing that we see in our scripture passage. We all have an eternal conflict between the spirit and the flesh. For every one of us, there's that push and pull between the flesh and the spirit. Because what has happened is this. You've been forgiven of your sins, and God's spirit has come in you, but you still wrestle with that old nature and that old flesh all the time. And so you have decisions to make on a daily basis where you're trying to decide, man, do I do the old thing and, and get mad at somebody and bear grudges and get jealous? Or do I become forgiving and patient? And, and, and the closer you get to God, the more the one, the spirit is going to overcome. But there's going to be that eternal conflict between our old nature, our flesh, and our new nature, the spirit. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul says, so now I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, what he means by that is the closer you get to God, the further away you're going to be getting from the things of the Spirit. So if I have a close relationship with God, if I'm reading my Bible, if I'm praying, if, I, if I'm doing the things I should do to form a relationship with God, if I'm trying to help and care for others, I'm going to get further and further away from my old selfishness. Okay? So the closer I get to God, the further my old selfishness becomes. Verse 17. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So he says, look, they're totally opposites. The flesh and the spirit, what they're seeking and what they're wanting are polar opposites. They're like oil and water. They don't mix. 
the things of the flesh and the things of the spirit, they just don't mix at all. I uh, got a picture of an oil spill in, in California, uh, there up in Northern California, and you see not only does the oil and water not mix, but they can literally take a rake and rake the oil all over into one spot because that's how much they don't mix. And that's like the, the things of the flesh and the things of the spirit they're totally contrary to one another. They don't mix at all. It's easy to tell the difference between the two. Anybody here seen any of the Lord of the Rings movies? Come on, people, watch some good movies, okay? Next time you've got seven hours, watch a Lord of the Rings movie, okay? We used to tell our children, we're going to Florida, we're driving, it's going to take 20 hours, watch two Lord of the Rings movies, we'll be there, you know, something like that. So anyway, Lord of the Rings movies. There were obvious good guys and obvious bad guys. Look at those pictures. Now, maybe you've never seen the movie. Do you have any idea who the good guys and the bad guys were? Just have no idea, do you? Just totally confused. I, I just can't tell the difference uh, between the two. Well, if you're muddy and ugly, you're a bad guy. Okay, that's about what it comes down to right there. But if you're clean with a long beard, then, you know, that's different. You know, that, that, that's a good guy. So it's easy to tell the difference. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. Look, there's this conflict, but the difference between the two is so easy to see. It's, it's, it's easy to tell the difference because what they want, what they desire, are totally opposite from one another. And then verse 18 is an interesting verse. He says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, what's that mean? If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Again, it's your whole motivation for what you're doing. Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you doing what you're doing, trying to fight the flesh and be a good person and overcome your sin, and so you're trying to follow the law to be good? If that's how you're living your Christian life, and let me tell you this, that's how most people live their Christian life. I'm going to try to follow the law and be good. Well, then you're going to find yourself messing up over and over again, and you're going to be miserable. What he says is you've been freed from that, you've been forgiven, and now what you do is you try to love and care for one another, and the closer you get to, get to God, the more you're going to be fulfilling everything the law said in the first place, and you're not using it as something to, to try to make yourself good. You've been made good by God, and now you're trying to love other people. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture passage. The acts of the flesh will lead to our ruin. The acts of the flesh will will lead to our ruin. Now, he, just as he's going to, in the, in the very next few verses that we'll start with next week, look at the fruit of the Spirit, he now looks at the acts of the flesh, the works of the flesh. And he goes through a whole litany of things. Now, when I read these things, uh, as they come up in verses 19 through 21, this isn't the whole list of every sin in the world. He's just like throwing some sins off his head as he gets there, you know, uh, as if I walked around and said, everybody name a sin here or something like that, you know, then, then we'd make a list of it like that. Well, he's giving you his bucket list of sin here, uh, that he's got these acts of the flesh that are totally contrary to everything that the fruit of the Spirit is. And so let's just look at those for a second, and then we're going to come back and talk about them. For the acts of the flesh are obvious. In other words, look, the difference between the acts of the flesh and acts of the spirit, anybody can see it. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, and the like means and anything else you can think of. You know, and so he throws 
all of that in there. So those are the acts or the works of the flesh. He says, if those are the things that you are following, then I warn you, this is verse 21, then I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what's that mean? We've already said that we're going to be in a constant battle between flesh and spirit. We know we're not perfect and we mess up. So what's it mean that if you do any of these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God? Ooh, wait, uh, you know, I had a fit of rage the other day. You know, I came in and I was mad and I kicked the cat, you know, something like that. You know, you know I had a fit of rage when, when I came in the door, you know, something like that. Oh, well, I guess I'm going to hell now, right? It's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is what's controlling you. Are you being controlled by the Spirit and you occasionally sin? Are you being controlled by your sin and you occasionally do something good? You know, something is in control of your life. And what he's trying to say is this. If, if the acts of the flesh are in control of your life, then he's saying your salvation's in question in the first place. Because if you're really saved, you're going to start living the way that you were supposed to live. Now, it's going to be a constant battle. You're going to start down here and, and gradually get better. And the longer you're a Christian, the closer you should get to God. Okay? So that's a good test of your Christian faith right now. Am I closer to God than I was a year ago? And if not, then there's probably a problem going on in your faith that you need to address. But for some people, if this is the life they're living, and they have no interest in caring or doing anything for the kingdom of God, then he says, you're not going to live this way and inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we all mess up. We all do things that are wrong. But this is, this is your lifestyle, your pattern of life. Then there's something wrong between you and between God. And again, the two things are so polar opposite. So let's walk through them uh, fairly quickly and, and see that right there. So one, he starts out and he says, sexual immorality. So I can have sex with anybody, anytime, anywhere I want with, uh, with, no, uh, with no parameters. Or I can be devoted and care and love one person. And uh, when you look at those two, the two don't compare. He says impurity. Now think of impurity as, as uh, something that tastes bad and pure as something that tastes good. It's pretty obvious to tell the difference between something that is impure and something that is pure. Debauchery simply means extreme indulgence. Anything that you indulge to the extreme, even good things, uh, you know, eating too much food, uh, uh, you know, binge watching, uh, you know, your 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 uh, movies, whatever, and never getting off the couch, whatever, sex, drugs, rock and roll. We've talked about that. So I can have debauchery, or I can be in control. Do you worship things, idolatry, or do you worship God? Witchcraft or God? Hatred or love? Discord or peace, jealousy or trusting, fits of rage or self-control, selfishness or giving, dissension or unity, factions or unity, envy or contentment, drunkenness or self-control, orgies or a committed relationship. When you look at those things, you put them together, as he said earlier, they do not compare to one another. And so what he's trying to tell us is, look, the two things are obvious, and the more you see them, the more obvious there's going, they're going to be. And so we now have to be giving ourselves over to this Spirit of God to fill us so that our lives become different. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next three weeks. What's it look like to be led by the Spirit of God? I showed you a California oil spill up in Northern California a second ago. One of the things that oil spill did was that uh, there was a whole colony of sea otters that were affected by it. And I have one of the sea otters here actually 
caught in the oil. Uh, you see it's actually holding him down. His whole body is, is, is held by the oil. And you can literally see just what? You know, a, a foot away is good water, uh, but they cannot literally get out to that because oil and water don't mix. Uh, but these sea lions have been caught in this oil, and if something doesn't happen that they can't do in and of themselves, they're going to die. And so they came in, and they literally took the sea otters out of the water. Got a picture of one right here. They, they washed those sea otters. They fed them with a baby bottle, and they put them in clean water. You can see the oil from the water uh, going off of them and into the tank that they're in right there. So they were, they were in an oil spill that was literally killing them, and they could do nothing about it in and of themselves. But then they were rescued, they were washed clean, and they were made pure again. And that's what God has done for us. We were in an oil spill that we could not get out of that was literally killing us. And then Jesus came and forgave us of our sins and washed us clean. And now the question is, how do we live a life of freedom after we've been made clean, but the oil's still all around us each and every day? And that's what we're going to look at over the next three weeks. What's it mean to live by the Spirit of God? And we'll start that next week. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for this time together. You know, you can't get to the good fruit of the Spirit unless you see what we're battling each and every day in the flesh so help us to learn from this and to look to you and to truly crave that spirit that is so different and the opposite of everything in this world father i just pray that as we go out now each of us would live a life of freedom to do good and not a life of freedom to our old ways in jesus name we pray amen well we come to this time of invitation and the first thing i would say during this time is for you to look at your life right now and to say, hey, which one is really pulling me right now? Am I being pulled more by the flesh or more by the Spirit? And if that's the case, just begin to pray to God right now, Lord, if I'm being pulled by that flesh, help me to find you and today just try to humbly serve one another in love. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, if you're watching online, there's that prayer tab. Hit that prayer tab. Somebody in real time will be talking to you and telling you about Jesus. If you're here today and you want to talk to a minister as you go out there'll be ministers outside for you to speak to as you go out but this is your time uh, and make any decision that you need to make as we stand together and we sing our hymn of invitation we hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you if you have prayer needs or want more information about us we invite you to stop by our website mywrbc.org and click on contact please use the word podcast in the subject line you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.